What's up, Legacy? Oh, y'all playing around. What's up, Legacy? I'm going to try it again. What's up, Legacy? Come on, give me something, right? Listen, if you've never heard me before, I'm that loud guy that walks around all the time. So I'm going to need your feedback. I'm going to need you to help me preach, to help me teach. Before I do anything, uh, listen, I, I love uh, my family. And today I'm digging into uh, the family a little bit. Preferably, it'll, it'll help you. It'll, it'll motivate you. It'll push you. But can you do me a favor? Y'all, my mama is here. Can we celebrate my mama? <laughs> my mama is here. Her and my auntie, amen, they, they, they made the trip this morning. Uh, and before I go any further, I believe one thing that our generation struggles with uh, is, is honor. I don't believe that we honor the way we're supposed to honor. Uh, I am a product of a well that my mother and father uh, dug for me. So I'm drinking out of wells that I did not dig. Uh, and I want you to continue to do the same thing. And with that being said, uh, can we give God a hand clap of praise for your dope pastors? Come on, y'all got to celebrate. You got to learn how to celebrate who God gives you. Amen. 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 And so I thank God for them. I thank God for their lives uh, and what. And I'm always excited to come to Legacy. I just love saying Legacy. Do me a favor. Elbow the person beside you and say Legacy. No, I didn't say, I, I, I want you to whisper, say legacy. It's colder when you, when you whisper like that. Listen, we're going <laughs> to jump into our scripture, uh, and we're going to kind of hop around a little bit, kind of a doctrine that dances a little bit. Uh, when I read my focus scripture, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to give you what God has given me. Uh, let's go to, um, uh, let's start at verse 18. Is that cool? Start at 18, 318, uh, Colossians. Um, wives. Submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Let's two-step the verse 20. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you and to the curve of their favor, but with sincerity of the heart and reverence for the Lord. Let's go to four and one. It says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Uh, if I had to give or if I had to tag a title um, um, to this text, tag a, a, a title to this pericope, to this scripture, it will be all in the family. Look at somebody and say, all in the family. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for being our king of kings and being our lord of lords. We thank you for being our everything, oh God. We thank you that we are overcomers. Now, Father, I ask that you remove PJC and bring in Pastor Jesus Christ to deliver a word to your people. Bless this food that we're about to receive. Make it a nourishment to our bodies. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, back in 1971, of course, I wasn't born. 1971 to 1979, it was a sitcom uh, that was called All in the Family. Somebody say All in the Family. Uh, and it was about a working class family. Uh, the patriarch of the family was named Archie Bunker. Uh, he was outspoken. 
but he was also narrow-minded. He seemed to be prejudiced against anyone who was not like him or his idea of how people should be. Uh, Okay, they're giving me instructions. Are we a little bit better now? Okay, cool. Can y'all hear me? Am I good? All right, good. I'm excellent. Give God a hand clap of praise if I'm good. All right. So we're talking about Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker, it was him and his wife, Edith. They had a daughter named Gloria and her son named Michael. Uh, and in this, in this sitcom, it represents the real-life clash of values between the greatest, what, what, the, the, it, it, re- it shows us a clash between generations. And we have that same clash in today's society that we're clashing with the world uh, is telling us to do and what the world says the family should be. That clash is right up against the kingdom culture. Somebody say kingdom culture. We're at a time and a place where everybody is preaching and everybody is teaching about different cultures, but it's only one culture that should rest in your house. I'm not just talking about your church. I'm talking about your house with your family, with your mother, with your father, with your kids. It's only one culture. Somebody say one culture. If you don't know by now, you're going to be talking a lot. Here it is. Uh, Somebody say kingdom culture. And so it's the kingdom culture that should, in fact, be all in the family. And that's what Paul gives us in this text. By what standard of culture of our day should our family be measured? How do you keep a contemporary family relationship and society from turning into complete chaos? You have to have the kingdom culture. And so this is a tough text to teach. Why? Because people don't want you digging in their business. Yeah, yeah, people don't want you to be honest. People don't want you to be real, but I'm a little bit different. Um, I often say I got to keep it totally 100. I got to keep it totally funky with you. Listen, because if you don't, uh, if you don't hear it in church, where you going to hear it at? That's the problem is that in the church, we haven't been honest enough to talk about tough situations, to talk about tough issues. This is where the things are supposed to be laid out. This is the where we're supposed to find out what's right and what's wrong. But as a consequence of offending people and hurting people, we've hushed or we've been quiet. But I follow a man by the name of Jesus, that Jesus, everything that he preached at that time until up to this time was controversial. Why? Because he didn't care about your feelings just that much. He, he cared more about your soul than he cared about your feelings. And that's where we have to be as preachers and as teachers. And so we don't go with the culture. We go with the kingdom culture. Somebody say kingdom culture. Let me get into my piece. Here it is. The first point that he jumps in, we're talking about all in the family. The first thing that Paul jumps into, somebody say, all in the marriage. Somebody say it again, all in my marriage. It says, wives submit to your, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Our text is not about who gets the power. Or who's the boss of the family. It's about demonstrating love. Those that are note takers, I believe that you are, you're, 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 uh, if you're a leader, you ought to be taking notes. Here it is. Several times in this text, Colossians 3, 18 through 4 through 1, Paul stresses a Christ-centered home. Here it is. If you're married, if you're thinking about being married, this is what you have to have in your, in your life. Here it is. It says in verse 18, do what is fitting to the Lord. In verse 20, do what is pleasing to the Lord. In 22, 
you have to fear the Lord. In 23, you have to do as unto the Lord. In 24, you have to do what's from the Lord. In, in 24, it also talks about serving the Lord. And then 4 and 1, it talks about you have a master in heaven. So understand your marriage is not just for you, but it's also for the world to see who Jesus Christ is. Some people will never hear about Jesus. Some people will never see Jesus until they see you and until they see your marriage. I'm talking to married people. And so understand, Paul is talking about love. He's not just telling the woman to be bossed by the man. Here it is. I'm tougher on men. I do a lot of marriage counseling. I do, a, excuse me, a lot of spiritual guidance. And so I'm always tougher on the man. Why? Because I believe that God called you to be the priest of your home. I believe that God called you to be a leader. And if God sets you in place to be the priest of the home and to be the leader of the home, it's on you to make sure that your family is tight. You don't have to say amen. But it's on the man to make sure that his family is tight. And so we understand in that time, the family could include your slaves. It could include your children, of course, your, your, not just your wife, but your wives, uh, servants. Everything was attached. And so what was God saying here? You have to find somebody in the family to be able to lead. And that person that should be able to lead should be the father. It should be the husband. Paul's philosophy was revolutionary at this time. It was, it was the exact opposite of what people would teach and what people even teach now. He was talking to Christian families. He was saying, make Christ the Lord of your home. He was saying, make the father be able to lead the house. Apostle Paul does not follow the cultural patterns of the first century Romans. And so he gives a word, women, submit to your husband. Here it is. The Apostle Paul, uh, let, let, let's look at the word submit for a minute. That word submit wasn't, once again, let somebody boss you around. That word meant for the woman to choose to submit. But the woman had to choose to submit. I'm not just jumping on the women, but he also gave us a word to the husbands in Colossians 3.19. It says, the wife's submission, understand this, is prompted by her husband's unselfishness and his uh, sacrificial love. Yeah, now, now we're talking. Now, the, uh, uh, my grandmama will say, now we're cooking with hot grease. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not just on the woman to be submitting if the husband ain't loving. Yeah. Like I said, I do a lot of counseling, and many times uh, it, 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 it's a woman's nature to love. She was built to love. She came out as a lover. Why would God put the baby inside of her? Because she know how to nurture. She know how to take care. That's, that's how she's built. When, when, when you go back and forth with couples and they talk in their relationship, you will never hear a man say, usually, more often than not, you'll never hear a man say that she doesn't love me. The man will say she doesn't respect me. <laughs> you'll never hear the woman say that he doesn't respect me. You hear the woman say she don't love me. He doesn't love me. And so this text is telling you, here it is. You've heard this time and time again, I pray, that it's not 50-50 in a relationship. It has to be 
you got to be giving your all to the relationship. Right? But here it is. Women, you have to choose to submit. And men, you have to make the choice to be able to love your wives. Here it is. And so, I'm telling you that you got to tighten up your marriage. Because people are watching you. Yeah. And here it is. Can I help you? Can I throw you a blues clue? Yeah, I got kids. <laughs> People going to talk about you regardless. You might as well give them something good to talk about. Yeah, did I just help you? Somebody need to tweet that. Yeah. Give them something good to talk about because they're watching you. And whether you believe it or not, they want you to do well in your marriage. And so understand this. This is what I love about Paul. Paul has the credentials to give you advice. Why are many marriages failing? Pastor Robbie, I hope they don't throw tomatoes at me. Uh, the reason why so many marriages are failing is because you're getting the wrong advice from the wrong people. This is what I tell them at the life. Um, and I hope, I hope you don't get mad at me at Legacy. How are you going to get advice from somebody that's done been divorced four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times? 11, 12, 13, 14. Listen, they're not Christians. They don't know the word. That's the wrong person to get advice from. But find somebody that's been through the trenches. Find somebody that's been through war because what I've learned in my young married life is that everything is not going to be peachy keen. Everything is not going to be roses. You're not going to wake up every morning and look at that person and just say, man, I love you. If y'all will be honest. Sometimes you come in the house, let's just be real, let's just be honest, and you want to walk right past them. Yeah, you don't feel like talking to that person, right? But it's a level of love and it's a level of respect. It's a level of honor that you have to have in your marriage to be able to move forward. Because one thing we have to know, people are watching you. Here it is, I got to move to my next point. Not only is Paul all in the marriage, but he's all in our children. Somebody say children. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. How many times have we heard adults say, this is old school, this is the 80s, I'm an 80s baby. Children are to be seen, not heard. That's true. Uh, robust children make a lot of noise, but we must be careful not to destroy their need to express themselves. Each child that you're raising is different, different personality. My daughter is off the chain. She's on a whole nother level. Like she's trying to have discussions with me like she's like 25 years old. And so it's a different way that I talk to her and teach her, uh, whereas my son, he don't care about nothing but Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. Right? And so it's a different way that I need to train them. Can I tell you, most of the times in most cultures, in Americanized cultures, that we, that, 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 that we raise our daughters um, and we kind of let our sons get away with a lot. Don't nobody want to say amen on that. 
yeah, yeah, ain't nobody, you're going to get mad at me <laughs> on that. And so watch this. We have to learn how to raise our sons and also raise our daughters. We have to thank God for Christianity. We have to thank God that times have changed because watch this. Understand, some children, if you had been in this time, if you had been in the Roman culture, you wouldn't be here to live your story because if you talk back, they're probably going to take you out and stone you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the rights to sell you off. They had the rights to make you a slave and everything else. Somebody say, thank God for Christianity. Right? And so a lot of y'all didn't grow up like I grew up. Here it is. If I talk back to my mama, I was going to pick my teeth up off the floor. Right? See, that, 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 that's totally different right there. And, and, and watch this. And back in those days, some of you may be like, man, they should have called DSS on them. Our parents would have called DSS for us. Right. They would have called the police and said, yo, come pick them up, because if you don't come pick them up, I'm going to kill them. And then I'm going to go to jail. Y'all see my mama just put her hand up. Y'all say, put your hand down. Right. And so sometimes we'll be at the house and me and my mom be talking and she'll be like, who you think you're talking to? And I just walk out the house because sometimes I have flashbacks about what I went through. Listen, and so God is telling you to train your children. A word to children, 3 and 20, uh, in 3 and 20, there's only three people we're commanded to obey, to obey. Three people scripturally we're commanded to obey, God and your parents. Let me say that again. Three people in scripture that you're commanded to obey. Here it is, one of the commandments, honor your father and your mother. That your day may days may be prolonged in the land which is was the Lord your God gives you. What's the reason why we see so many young people dying early? Because they no longer honor. This is scripture. This ain't PJC. This is Pastor Jesus Christ. We have to go back to honoring. We have to teach kids how to honor. Can I tell you the biggest reason why kids don't honor? Because we give them things without a work ethic. That hurt right there. We say stuff like this. I want to give my kid everything that I didn't have. This is my issue with that, Nathan. You didn't have a lot of that stuff, and you didn't turn out so bad. And so watch this. As a consequence, we're teaching them that blessings is everything that they can get without balancing them out. If I give my daughter candy after candy after candy after candy, listen, her teeth will rot out. She's not blessed because I'm giving her a whole bunch of stuff. She would, in fact, her mouth probably would be cursed. Watch this. And so we want to give our kids a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff without balancing them out. That's God is a good father. He's a real good father. He's a good, good father, right? And so God will allow some good things to happen in your life, but he also allows some bad things to happen in your life so you will understand who he is, so you won't get arrogant, so you won't get bougie, so you won't get stuck up. Yeah, I'm talking to somebody right now. So you won't become what you've seen people become when they've been given. Listen, you've seen the people that have been given a silver spoon. Uh, that, that grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth. They don't appreciate anything, right? And so my parents taught me early uh, that even though you're the only child, you're going to appreciate everything that we give you. I'll tell you a quick story one time. And so uh, I was at Greenwood Christian um, in, the, in the seventh grade, in the seventh grade, 
uh, uh, and I went in, and I said, I, I need to call a family conference with my mom and with my dad. And, and, and they sat down, and, and I said, I, I want allowance. I want a greater level of allowance. But this is what I told them, Brother Mark. I'm tired of cutting the grass. <laughs> I said, I want a greater allowance, but I'm tired of doing the dishes. I want a greater allowance. And, and this is my question, too, though. We can't give our children things before times. Uh, let, let, let me jump on this really fast why, why, why I got you. How in the world you four or five years old and we giving kids cell phones? Who they going to call? They five. Who they texting? And we give them cell phones. And so we'll buy our kids a $200 pair of shoes and they don't play for a basketball team. Is your walk that expensive? Don't nobody want to talk. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I won't even go into that, Pastor. I'm not even going down that area. Let me get back to the story. So what happens is I, I, I said, I want an allowance. I ain't taking no trash out. I ain't doing no dishes. I ain't cutting no grass. It's what I deserve. Well, my mom and daddy sat me down at the table. That's what they told me. They said, allowance, I've given you that. We allow you to live in this house, don't we? We allow you to ride in our car. We allow you to put those clothes on your back. Here it is, parents. Next time your kids ask for allowance, you need to say, allowance, I've given you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to understand that God is calling us to train our children. But also, he doesn't just leave it at the children. God is all in our family right now. He's all in the marriage. He's all in the children. And so we go back to the fathers because the fathers are leaders. In 321, fathers, stop irritating your children. Various translations mean this. Do not vex your children. Do not fret. Do not harass. Avoid irritating. Don't overcorrect. Stop exhausting your children. Some parents are doing too much. I hope that was somebody grown that said that's right. <laughs> I hope I'm not getting, any getting in trouble with parents today. Listen, train up a child in the way he or she should go, and they will not depart. I often say it to life, let me talk about me so I won't talk about you. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad are both pastors, both ministers. I wasn't just a preacher's kid. I was a pastor's kid. That means I was at church on Monday for men's Bible study. On Tuesday, I was at church. At Wednesday, I was there for Bible study, midweek Bible study. On, prayer, on Friday night, I was there for prayer. On Saturday, I was there while they were prepping. So every time the doors of the church opened, I was there. Vacation Bible school, I was there. Had to sing on the kids' choir, I was there. They put me off on the drums. I couldn't play the drums, but you're a pastor's kid, so you had to be there. So I grew, yeah, yeah, I grew up in the church. Watch this. I got in high school, started feeling myself a little bit. Got in college, experienced some fame, experienced some popularity, started feeling myself a little bit. And I told, I told my parents, this is what I told them. I'm not going to preach. I'm telling you what I told my parents. I'm not going to preach. I'm not into all that right now. This is what I love. First of all, let me, if y'all know my mama by now and my daddy, I didn't say it to their face. I said it over the phone. <laughs> I said it over the phone while I was a couple hundred miles away at college. Right? And so this is what she didn't do. 
She didn't try to force God on me. She had a covenant with God. It comes a time, young people, where you got to find your own relationship with God. You got to find out who he really is for yourself. And she understood that God, that I was in God's hands. Here it is. When will you understand that it's better to put your kids in God's hands than in your hands? And so watch this. She allowed things to begin to happen in my life until it brought me back to my training and my foundation. If you have taught your children on a firm foundation, on a solid foundation, I don't care what your children are doing. I don't care what they're going through. I don't care what they say. God can bring them back. I am a living witness. I was out here doing everything with everybody, going everywhere. Listen, Nathan, I was that guy, that preacher's kid that was standing up on top of tables at the club. And now I'm standing in front of you preaching. This is to help you and to push you to understand that God has everything under control. Too many times we overthink things with our marriage. We overthink things with our kids. If God, God made you a promise that he would take care of you and your household. But sometimes you got to let go. Come here, Brother Mon. Come here, Brother Mon, please. This is what we do so much. This is what we do so much. And so God is trying to take you to a whole nother level, but you keep allowing your kid, your marriage, and those things to pull you that way, right? And so this is what you're going through. This is what you're in. You're in the midst of it. Come on, Nathan. Come on, Nathan. Please, hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. Come on, Nathan. Come on, Nathan. Act like you're playing basketball. And so God is trying to pull you. God is trying to pull you, but you keep your eyes on your kids. You got your eyes on how messed up the marriage is. And God is saying, if you would just put your eyes on me, I can start pulling you in the right direction. Here it is. And so what am I saying? This is what you're going to eventually have to do. Come here, Nathan. Come here. You got to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't done with you. Listen, you got you to let God pull, Nate. Pull, 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 pull. Listen, you wouldn't be in a tug of war if you would just let go. Just let go and let God. Listen, you've done. Thank you, Nathan. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise for him. I like that. Listen. Listen, you've done all you can do. Now you got to let God do what he needs to do. Next piece. Somebody say, all in my job. Now, God deals with the workplace because this is where people see you the most. How you handle your marriage, how you handle your kids, and how you act at work. Can I say this and, and, and somebody not get mad? If we didn't see you at church on Sundays, we wouldn't even know that you were saved. That's a hard word right there. Why? Because when we see you at work, you don't act like you're saved. Do we know that you're a Christian at work and at home? See, it's not enough just to be saved in here. How do you act on the outside? And this is what God was coming at them about. Um, Let me just say this. In the context of the passage of Scripture, um, it should be noted that slavery was the most extreme form of uh, exploitation of, hu- of a human being um, or, or, or humanity. Uh, it was evil. And it, 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 it existed everywhere. Uh, statistics, uh, theologians say it was over 60 million slaves at the time that 
Paul wrote this text, meaning that it was slaves everywhere. Paul doesn't just deal with the slave, but he deals with the master. Let's bring it to 2019. Here it is. When you go to work, I know you go for a paycheck. I get it. I get that you have bosses, you have supervisors, you have directors. Here's my question, though. Are you working unto your supervisor or are you working unto the Lord? I said unto. That has to be your mindset. Listen, this is what I often tell the people at the life. God will send you a demonic supervisor that's anointed to make you cuss. Did you hear what I just said? He's anointed. He has an anointing to make you mad. Has an anointing to make you angry. And God is using him to pull stuff out of you because you still have to honor them. Because in the Bible it says that God places the authority in the position. He's allowed it. Here it is. I know this is touchy right here. You might not like the president, but he's still the president. Ain't nobody going to clap off that. You may not like him, but here it is. God set him in that position for a reason. I know I'm diving in. That's deep waters. Let me come back. Let me come back out that. I felt that. I felt it over in here a little bit. Let me come over here. Maybe y'all. <laughs> Listen, God sets the authority. Are you working unto the Lord? So if you're working unto the Lord, here it is. If Jesus was your boss, how would you show up every day to work? First of all, on time. You wouldn't be having, listen, some of y'all go to lunch break. You're supposed to have an hour lunch break. You ain't came back in two hours. Lord, help me. I'm talking about me now. What if Jesus was your boss? You'll show up on time. You weren't walking out and looking like you just drunk prune juice. You'll have a smile on your face. You'll probably have a scripture to throw out at Jesus. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Why do I say John 3.16? That's the only scripture that we know. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was some shade right there. That was some shade. I'm sorry. That was some shade. Y'all know Christians. Listen, stats prove it. 88% of all Christians don't read their Bibles. That's real talk now. So, 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 so how would you act if Jesus was your boss? You would be different if you worked for Jesus, right? And so not only is he talking about the servant, 2019, being able to work as unto the Lord. Here it is. I'm talking to some business owners in here. I'm talking to some CEOs of some companies in here. How do you treat your employees? How are you treating, are you treating them less than you because they make less than you? Because God don't look at your bank account. God don't look at how big your house is. God don't look at what you drove up, uh, 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 what you drove up in. He don't look at all of that. That's not even his concern. His concern is your soul. Here's the question. How would you act if you were married to Jesus? Like we're supposed to be in the first place. Am I okay right there? How would you act if Jesus was your spouse? How would you come in that house? Would you be arguing? I'm talking about PJC now. Would you be arguing over ain't no almond milk? Yeah, I flip out when it ain't no almond milk in the house. Right? Would you be arguing about that? Or would you be showing love? How would you act if Jesus was your child? 
we get a great example of Jesus at the age of 12, right? We know Jesus was about his business. You look at the first words and the last words of Jesus. The first thing that Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. Last thing he said is it is finished. But watch this. Even when Jesus was about his business, he still had to understand that it was on his parents to be able to push him and to be able to take him where it is that he needed and where it is that he wanted to go. What if Jesus was your children? It's a different way that you have to raise them. Listen, I pray that I said something to make you think today. Because the last portion of that scripture, the last portion of our text, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open up a door for our message. Your message is your marriage. Your message is your kids. Your message is your workplace. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. Do me a favor. I'm at home because this is my brother and my sister. Do me a hand. Do me a favor. Grab the hand of the person beside you. We're better together. It's something that I wear on my wrist. It says collaboration over competition. I love the fact that me and my brother and my sister, we can collaborate on kingdom work and kingdom business. But God wants to send you to a place where you're collaborating in your marriage, where you will collaborate with your children, and where you'll collaborate in your workplace. It's no longer husband and wife competing against each other. We're in a time and an age where we got parents competing with their kids. And then we got people always competing in the workplace. Listen, what are we competing for? Earthly things? Are we running a race like Paul said to get an eternal gift or a crown? Come on, let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you that you care, that you care enough to get all in our family. I thank you that you care enough to be in our business, to help mold the wife and the husband, to help mold the children and the father to help mold the employer and the employee. God, you care enough about us to lead us in the right direction, and for that we thank you. And so I thank you even now that you're removing the heart of stone and you're giving these people a heart of flesh to be able to receive, oh God. God, I thank you that you're popping open ears even now, oh God, that you're removing blinders off eyes. Father, that they will embrace the word that you've given them to push them to the next level of life. Father, we give you the praise. We give you the glory and the honor. In your precious name we pray.